Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40 Class of 2023. Learn more about the award at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. And welcome to Heat Treat Radio, a podcast from Heat Treat Today. Whether you're listening to us or tuning in via video on heattreattoday.com forward slash radio, we're glad to have you. Today's episode illuminates how Gary Sharp founder and CEO of Advanced Heatry Corp began the company. Gary will also highlight the technical capabilities of ion nitriding, including the common applications, real benefits, and limitations of this process. Let's tune in with Heatreat Radio host and Heatreat Today publisher, Doug Glenn, now. Gary, first off, welcome to Heatreat Radio. Really glad to have you no, here. No, thank you. We're going to do a little bit of talk. Folks. What's that? I say enjoy meeting you folks. Yeah, yeah, it was very nice meeting you too. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of talk today about something that's near and dear to your heart. And I know it's interesting to a lot of our readers and listeners, uh, those manufacturers who have their own in-house heat treat and, and, and also some commercial heat treaters as well. We're going to be talking about nitriding, specifically ion nitriding. So Gary's got a long history there, right? I mean, you've been you've been involved with this for quite a while, so we're going to talk about that and uh, some of the technical aspects of of ion nitriding. So let's get started with this, Gary. If you don't mind, uh, before we hit the record button, we were talking about the history, and I'm I'm kind of interested to hear a little bit about the history of the corporation and your and you as well. So if you don't mind, uh, tell us All a little right. bit about yourself and the company. Well, I, I started with John Deere in the chemistry department. I have a degree in science chemistry. Uh, and then I went into various other areas, production support and uh, different management positions uh, before I end up ultimately leaving to start advanced heat treat. And the way I came became oriented and introduced to ion nitriding was a company who we had done work with, wanted to sell Deere, Don Deere, some new uh, technology. And uh, so they came in for some meetings and uh, we had, well, several meetings with top management, but that was right at the 7980 was one of the first real downturns in the ag market. Yeah. So yeah. Deere wasn't really interested in taking on a new technology at that time. And ultimately, while I was still interested, you know, I, I talked to various management people. Ultimately, I got permission to invest and investigate uh, on my own the ion nitriding process. Because that, e even while you were still at Deer, well, I'm still Deer. I had to do it on my own, and so on your own. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, I mean, I all my vacations, my holidays, and things were spent doing market surveys, uh, talking to various. Uh, potential users and so forth uh, in the marketplace to see if it seemed to have a, a fit because obviously when an equipment supplier comes in everything is nice and rosy and yeah so yeah yeah and it uh, works for everything yeah. <laughs> that's not always the case of course so right right but like I say after discussion with the management they gave us permission to uh, continue our investigation and so we from like 79 to 81. We did a lot of research. I took vacations and went and did market surveys with different potential customers and so forth and found out that it still seemed to have a lot of the, the glitz and the shine that uh, the, the, the 
company that came in to talk to us um, proposed that it did. So yeah. uh, we, we went ahead and um, after a, a period of time and evaluation, put together an investor base, uh, put together um, and build a building equipment uh, was purchased and so forth. And then we began to uh, do ion nitride. And we started with a lab unit, a 25 kW lab unit and a 160 kW unit um, mm -hmm. that would do, we would transfer from development into production size lots. Yeah. And, yeah, a quick question about that, because you said, you say we, so this was, this was not deer though. These were the people outside of deer, yourself and some others. Yeah, it was myself and yeah. several others at the time. Yeah, um, very interesting. Like some things happen and partnerships aren't always the easiest. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. That right. ultimately dissolved and, and it was right. pretty much me and my wife and, and <laughs> yeah. our, our employee base. So yeah, no, case, I hear so, you. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, that was that was the start anyway. And the trouble is early on, the small lab unit worked fine and we could do our development, but it didn't transfer over to the larger production unit. We kept having power supply issues, and this went on for months and months and months. And ultimately, I had to get legal involved, and uh, that churned around for got over a year, probably. Here, we're trying to start a have a startup business, and at the same time, we're fighting with everything else. We, you know, the building came together good, the lab put we put in worked good, but we just had issues, and. Um, we weren't aware of it and we weren't aware of how many pieces of equipment had been sold in the marketplace by this company. And until we got into legal and then we started having more serious discussions. But ultimately um, they replaced the power supplies with an, a new source and, uh, and consequently solved the arc suppression problems and some of the things that were taking place. Because basically what would happen, we get into the range of an unstable arc discharge and instead of heat treating, we were melting the parts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, we couldn't keep many customers doing that. So no, no, no. Case, that got resolved. Uh, we got additional equipment in the settlement and so forth. And then we took off. Yeah, now that was when did you when did you actually start the company then? I mean, when did the lab and the production? 81, 82 timeframe, yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. And uh, we hit, you know, I mean, from the market surveys, we knew there was considerable interest and obviously yeah. went back to some of those folks and started doing some development work with them, um, particularly on applications where ion nitriding was a significant advantage right. over right. some other treatments. Because yeah. Where I was, the plant I was at in Iowa, they were doing uh, gas nitriding on cylinder liners. But again, like you say, with the market going south for a while, they weren't interested in any new technologies. And so right. just continued to do the gas nitriding. Right. All right. So you ran through a little bit of legal issues, got that. When, when would you say, Gary, was the first time that you really felt like, okay, we're up and running, we're, we, we got the... <laughs> you know, pedal to the metal, so to speak. I think last week, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it took a while, but in our investigation and so forth, and we found out that they had sold quite a few pieces of equipment and they'd all been mothballed and put on the shelf. And um, in a way it was a bad deal, but it was good for us because we had the solutions to fix mm. them. 
So mm -hmm. I went around and purchased equipment 10 cents on the dollar and bought additional capacity. As I, we'd get up around 70, 80% of capacity on one vessel and I would just, I'd go buy another and yeah. get it set up and established in, in our plant. So it worked out quite well for us being yeah. dumb and stupid, I guess. At the same yeah, time. well, you know, you did the proverbial made lemonade out of lemons, right? I yeah, mean, that's, something like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, so that's very, that's very good. Kind of evolved over time. I mean, we've got 50 plus units now, ion nitrating as well as um, gas nitrating and so forth. But the right. nitrating field has been our, our, our baby for many, many years. And we've done a lot of development with other suppliers and so forth to make yeah. sure that the applications that they have uh, got the right process. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, nitriding, generally speaking. Then I want to hone down in a little bit more into ion nitriding because uh, we're going to assume that people that listen to this don't necessarily know the difference. And I think that's probably a safe assumption. You know, most of the world doesn't know the difference between, you know, ion nitriding and either, any other type. Mm -hmm. But let's just on a, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but just on a high level, Gary, if you don't mind, just tell our listeners, what is nitriding? What is that? What are we doing? And why do we do it? Nitriding is a case hardening process. Uh, and it is used on a variety of components to improve wear, abrasion resistance, um, fatigue strength, and so forth. And it, it's generally a low te lower temperature process and say carburizing or anything like that. So you don't have the resultant distortion, pulse machining requirements and things like that, that you do with some of the existing treatments that were out there. Um, and like you mentioned, um, there's, there's ion nitriding, there's gas nitriding, there's salt bath nitriding. All three do similar things. Uh, they just have different requirements, obviously, for the, the material, the chemistry that it's involved with each of those materials. But uh, you can nitride most anything, at least putting a compound zone or an outer layer on that's very abrasion resistant. Where the process gets developed is when you have alloy, chrome, moly, vanadium, aluminum. These are nitride formers, which uh, combined with the nitrogen at and below the surface to give you a diffusion zone that has longevity and a very high hardness and so forth. Right, right. So in the in the uh, in the simplest terms, nitriding. Right. I always try to explain to people that people that don't know it because you've talked about case hardening and and diffusion zones and things of that sort, which is probably Greek to people, but to some people. But in in one sense, what we're doing is hardening the surface of a metal by infusing nitrogen. That's, basically, that's I mean that's the that's about the simplest way we can say it. So that's what it is, and it's done in a variety of different ways. And that's what I wanted to ask you a question about this. It can be done. You mentioned already gas nitriding. You mentioned uh, 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 salt, salt oh, bath right. nitriding, and then of course we have ion nitriding. So, right. and we'll talk a little bit more about. Obviously, we're going to talk most of today about what ion nitriding is. But let's talk about in the if the total universe of nitriding is 100%. What percent of that do you think is gas nitriding, salt nitriding, and ion nitriding? Well, Best I've heard, guess. 
you know, I've heard different numbers. Uh, ion nitriding has grown significantly over the years. Uh, mm -hmm. Up until that point, it was probably uh, gas nitriding and salt bath nitriding were probably yes. 70%, 80%, I would guess. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I just wanted to give people a perspective because this is, I mean, ion nitriding has been around a long time. It's been, it's still a relatively small portion, but it's got some very unique benefits and, and that that we want to talk about. And it's so it's not necessarily for everybody, but it's it's a great it's a great process. But I want to give people just a, a sense of the total market. So gas nitriding is probably the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Right. right. Salt bath nitriding is done a decent amount. You know, we've actually talked with a company recently who does does that. We've had them on Heat Treat Radio. They they do that. And and ion nitriding is one very important one. That's it's kind of neat, actually. Mm -hmm. I've seen I've actually you know seen some uh, some ion nitriders in action. So it's quite visual, yeah. The purple glow yeah. and so forth. That's yeah. how I got the purple tie. I on. was going to mention. I was going to say. <laughs> hmm, wonder why you have the purple tie on there. Wonder why www.ahtcorp.com on your. It's purple. That's obvious. We'll, we will include some images to show people if they haven't seen it. So, okay. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we, we won't go into the details of any of the gas nitriding or the salt nitriding, obviously that, that can, that can be a topic for another day, but let's talk a little bit about how is it that ion nitriding ultimately gets the nitrogen into the, into the surface of the metal? How, how does that happen? How does that differ from, if you will, gas and or salt? Well, it's a diffusion process, and when you create the plasma, and you, if you look at a, a piece of equipment, the hearth plate is a cathode in a DC circuit. The vessel wall is the anode, and your gas is your carrier. And so um, through uh, the transfer of energy, uh, you bombard the part with ions and neutral atoms. They transfer their kinetic energy, and that's what actually heats up the parts. In the early years, uh, that was the only way you could heat the parts. And, and later, more developed equipment, now you have uh, auxiliary heating uh, in, the, in the walls as well, which adds some advantage, but it also adds a little more complexity in terms of keeping and maintaining a current density on the part adequate to diffuse into the, into the metal itself. And so, Sometimes you, you you put it in a, a vessel and you turn on the power supply and all the energy is coming from somewhere else and you don't actually diffuse or harden the part itself. So that that's a that it, it's been solved obviously over the years, but that's something that uh, on the surface uh, is, is oft, was often overlooked. So right, right. So is it. Is it safe to say then, and as far as the getting the nitrogen into the part, that the, in a sense you're making a positive and a negative charged item, and right. the and the the ions saying, bombard the surface. Right. So the ions bombard it because they're attracted by they, by they, magnetically, if you will, you know, and yep. then they and they transfer the kinetic energy, and that's what heated the workpiece up in the early equipment. Like I said, right. in later equipment, they had auxiliary right. heating as well in the chambers. But so right, right, right. Okay. Good. So what typically, what are some of the more common applications? I know you're, you started out there with John Deere, obviously, right? They were interested. Is it mostly agriculture or is it other stuff now? 
No, by no means, because when I left, when I was still at Deer and left Deer, we made sure we didn't have conflict of interest. So I, I didn't even solicit any deer parts. Wow. At the okay. Time. And that went on for quite a few years. And, you know, since we've done parts for them and so forth. But uh, anything that has high wear and abrasion, uh, one of the advantages that we haven't talked about is the ability to selectively harden and the, and the ease of masking. And I right. say ease of masking uh, means that instead of using copper paints or stop off materials, you can just interrupt the plasma from touching that surface. So if you have some threads, you just put a nut on there, it blocks the plasma from touching the threads and they won't get hard. So and it's that, a phys it's actual physical block. Physical block, yeah. And you have a maybe a eight to ten thousands, eight to fifteen thousands gap, and you still don't diffuse beyond beyond the masking itself. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways of masking parts uh, with ion nitriding, either mechanically, and those are generally done on customers' parts that are repeating. You know, you, right. so you don't have to paint them every time they come in, let the, the copper paint dry and all that type of stuff. Uh, we, we just would use mechanical masking and, and uh, just use them over and over and they basically last forever. Right, right. Yeah. I've, heard the, I've heard one of the other real advantages of ion nitriding is, is uh, blind holes and uh, areas like that where you know, gas flow wouldn't necessarily get, and salt might have a little bit of difficulty getting. Mm -hmm. uh, it is an advantage. There is an L over D ratio you have to be aware of because okay. as you conform that plasma to go down in the hole, if it intersects itself with the other side, it's called hollow cathode, and that is extremely gotcha. hot and can melt the parts. And that's gotcha. what happened early on with, you know, before we got some of the equipment issues resolved, is that right. we would get in that unstable arc discharge range and we'd basically melt the workpiece and the customers right. weren't too happy with that so no no it's a bad day when you open the furnace to a pool of metal that's not yes, a good exactly. not a good day yeah when we return we'll wrap up the conversation on advantages of ion nitriding and talk about some of the real world applications and limits of this technology a quick word from our sponsor Heat Treat Today's annual 40 Under 40 award goes to young folks in North America's heat treat industry who are giving their time, talent, and education to make the industry a better place. Who are these rising young leaders? Likely your own clients and colleagues. A nomination takes just seven minutes, so go to heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo now. Winners receive year-long recognition on www.heatreattoday.com and are featured in the September Trade Show magazine. We need your help to locate the hidden heat treaters who discreetly work away from the public eye, especially those who are operating in in-house heat treat operations. Who do you think is a rising young leader in the North American heat treat industry? Type heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo to nominate or learn more today. Once more, that's heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. Now back to the episode. So, so, okay. So we've got a, the, we've got certain benefits there. Basically any industry you're saying can, can do it. If there's a, anywhere where there's high resistance. So automotive parts. Yes. Automotive aerospace. We have parts. We did the submarine gear for the uh, Seawolf submarine, 35,000 pounds, 100, 100, 160 inch diameter. And now because 
and that ran probably 400 plus hours, not because it was big, but because they had an extremely deep case requirement. So the diffuser took longer, particularly at the lower temperatures that you run versus other kinds of treatments. Right. And you, you mentioned know, this earlier. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say you mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to mention it again here. One of the advantages of, of nitriding, generally speaking, ion nitriding as well, is that you're typically below the temperature where you got to start worrying about distortion, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're typically right. you're there. So you're not going to have to do that post post uh, nitride, post uh, hardening, any type of grinding or straightening or things of that sort, generally speaking. Yeah, that's one of the big advantages for sure. Um, mm -hmm. We found that a lot of customers, it, and that's one of the reasons they transitioned out of one process into ours was because we 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 eliminated some subsequent operations, which they yeah. typically had to have, which reduced their cost, even though it wasn't a direct cost in nitriding. Um, yeah. It definitely affected that. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So uh, I'm sure with most every... Uh, technology, there are common uh, either perceptions or misperceptions about uh, problems with that technology. Do, can you address what do, what do you know, the common man out there, the common guy who's going to be involved with trying nitriding, ion nitriding, what do what might they hear would be some of the problems with ion nitriding? And can you address them, whether they're legit or not? Well, you know, loading a, a, a chamber and the part spacing you need to, depending on what level of vacuum you're going to run at, it'll determine how wide the plasma is. Well, that in turn affects in how close you can put parts together or close to each other so that you still get treatment on both products or both pieces, if you will. Right. Um, and it does allow you to do mixed loads of different types of things depending on, again, the level of vacuum and how wide the plasma you, that you're, conduct, you're conducting, if you will, surrounds right. that part. Right, so that's a, that is a concern. Yeah, and, and that's why you know, we review all those. And generally, we'll even run some test samples for the customer ahead, let them compare our metallurgy with theirs and so forth and, and right. uh, before they commit even further production loads. But we'll, we've run parts, we had a steering torsion bar. We probably ran 10,000 pieces in a load. Yeah. And we masked the bottom portion of that uh, because it got cross-drilled in the assembly. And of course, they, they didn't want to have to drill through a hardened piece of material. Yeah. And so <laughs> right. consequently, uh, it worked out really good for us. And we did that for 15 years, probably 20 years. Right, right. How about, uh, I have heard that when your ion nitriding Part cleanliness is a critical, critical part. Can you address that? Yes. Um, well, of course, um, we clean everything before it goes in the chamber. Typically, it has been either with an alkaline wash or vapor degrease uh, to get it, rid of any contaminants off the surface. The early part of the cycle, when you turn the DC power supply on, you begin to sputter. So any oxides and things like that that are on the surface get sputtered away uh, before you actually ramp up and, and start the diffusion phase of the cycle. So uh, yeah, cleaning is important. It, you know, if you have uh, plating uh, that uh, that often blocks out. If you have dirty parts, 
that will prevent degrading, or even worst case, it'll sputter off and onto other parts, and then you contaminate those as well. So cleaning is, yeah, is an important part of the, the equation. Right, right. That's good. That's good. Any other common misperceptions about, about ion nitriding that you'd want to address? If not, that's okay. Uh, I don't know uh, any anymore. Back then, there was, you know, uh, uh, when we first started, and that's how we learned some of the things we did, of course. But um, the spacing is important. The gaps yep. are important so you don't have a cathode. Uh, and then, like you did, touched on a little bit ago, the cleanliness. I mean, if it's really right. dirty and contaminated, you're not going. You're going to have a void in that area, and right, right. So. Yeah, yeah, get a soft spot, so to speak, right. because of, yeah, it could just be, I've heard it could be something just as simple as oil from the skin, from your mm -hmm. person's, the skin, you know. Fingerprint uh, or anything like that, yes. Touching, touching the parts and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah, but they, but cleanliness is typically not an issue. I mean, you guys know how to clean, you know, any, any parts, soup, so I'm sure it's not a, it's not an overcomable issue, obviously. So. Well, it's getting more difficult right now with them wanting to um, restrict the use of vapor degreasing and things like that. Oh, well. uh, yeah. So we have yeah. to come up with other cleaning methods that are suitable and, and yeah. still meet the end, end product requirements. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting, to, I'm going to, uh, you and I probably would agree on this. I know we've not talked about this in the past, but I think the, the way, some of the things they're restricting right now is, is kind of, it's a little interesting, but I'm not going to go there. So don't get me started, Gary. Okay. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, so we covered a bit of the, we covered the benefits pretty much of uh any anything else as far as benefits though let me just throw that out to you anything as as far as benefits go uh i mean obviously uh, wear and abrasion are big ones and then treating yep. them at a low enough temperature that you don't have distortion you don't have to set up and post treat machine those right. are all you know key benefits from the process itself right um, but it's repeatable it, you know it, over yeah. and over, we do thousands and thousands of parts and loads you know, at our different locations and so forth. And right. uh, it's been quite successful for us. Uh, let me ask you this question, Gary, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here in just a minute. But let me ask you this question. Tell, can you put that nitride, ion nitriding in perspective or nitriding generally in perspective with things like phoretic nitrocarburizing, uh, maybe just, you know, carbonitriding, whatever, where... Where does it fall on the scale? What are the differences between those those processes? Well, the ionitrating is most effective when you have chrome, moly, vanadium, aluminum, those types of elements in your product. Okay. And of course, with uh, carburizing, that's not an, uh, a requirement. Carbonitrating typically isn't a requirement. And both of those processes are done at considerably higher temperatures, which then gets you back into the question about, is the part going to distort? Do we have to post right. the machine and things like that? So right. uh, that is a big difference. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's super. Uh, and before we, I got one letter, last question for you about people who are potentially could use your services, but I, I want to get a dive a little bit deeper into your company. Now you're before we wrap up, you've got three locations now, correct? We have four, four locations. All right. Where, where are they? Three of them do ion nitriding and, and the nitriding process here in Waterloo. We have the corporate headquarters, which we have 
the largest ionized radar. As a matter of fact, we're installing one right now that'll do parts upwards of about 30 feet. Wow. And okay. So it's it's a big it's big chambers, but in any case, um, you got you got Waterloo, Iowa. Waterloo, and we have the two facilities here. That's just where we started. Um, gotcha. You know, it was uh, risky enough leaving John Deere <laughs> without going yeah. somewhere else. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we added Michigan, uh, and Dr. Rolinski is our was our key yep. go-to guy up in Michigan. Uh, Ed Rolinski. Yeah. He, no, he lived with me for a year and a half. <laughs> Did he really? That's yeah, well, cool. We were building the facility in Michigan so he could go back to it. <laughs> oh, okay, great. And, and then we started a plant in Coleman, Alabama. Gotcha. So okay. we, we kind of get the central Midwest uh, pretty well covered with all types of applications. We're starting to add some other types of treatments, uh, the black oxide treatment and some of those right. at, at the locations as well to kind of subsidize uh, the ion nitrate, if you will. That's the ultra ox? Ultra ox, yes. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, let me wrap up with this question then. So let's say there is a company out there, a, a manufacturer who currently is doing some sort of a case hardening process. And they're thinking, hmm, wonder if I should look into nitriding slash ion nitriding. What would be your guidance for them? What, what questions should they be asking themselves? Just send them to us. Spoken like a true businessman, Gary. Well, I appreciate that. All kidding is <laughs> I know. Um, they kind of have to go through the, some of the same steps we did early on, go through the testing, make sure the, the parts, the treatment, whatever they select is repeatable uh, and it, it fits their end use. And I mean, it's rather expensive equipment. You know, um, some of these are in excess of six, $700,000 a piece, depending on the sizes, even get more expensive than that. So well, you're, you're it, talking about them buying a, them a, buying a piece of equipment. Well, I'm, I'm even talking about what should they be thinking about if they even decide, I want to, maybe I'll outsource it like to, to your company. Because oh. I know it should be clear that your company doesn't make the equipment, correct? You're just, you're no, basically- No, we make a, some of our equipment now. We, you do, some, okay. Yeah, we do. We, we have in the past, particularly uh, when yeah. there's things that weren't available, we- Right, but you're not necessarily in the business of selling ion nitriding equipment. You make your no, own. No. Okay. All right. So, so back to the back to the question. You know, if a, a company's out there and they're thinking, wonder if I should ion nitride? Not necessarily meaning buy a piece of equipment, do it in house. But what are the questions they should be asking? It, for example, I'm thinking to myself, I've got X part. Is this X? Is this part? Uh, is it is it possible that I could ion nitride it? What what about you, that part of me? You'd start first with the material chemistry, yeah, and see see what what materials re, they're using, you know, and obviously it has to fit the requirements of the end application as well. That's probably right. the, the biggest thing. And then if it's got uh, alloy in it, then you, you know you figure out your case steps and your diffusion requirements and so forth. And that, then they'd probably do some development testing on parts and and see how it worked in their application and go from there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's probably best just to ask, ask an expert, like you said, I mean, your first answer was probably actually a pretty good one. Just send them to us. That's, <laughs> that actually makes some sense. At least call, right. I mean, yeah. at least call and oh, check yeah. it out. So maybe one last question, is there any part or are there, maybe there's more than one. I'm sure the answer is probably there's more than one 
that that if you have this part, you shouldn't even consider ion nitriding. It's just not, it's not gonna work. Threw you a curve on that one. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking the biggest concern you have on assuming the materials compatible with the nitriding reaction. Then I would take things with blind holes or holes that they want hardened, and but we can't conform the plasma tight enough to get down in those holes to where you'd have hollow cathode, and then you could have uh, a melting issue or, or damage issues to the parts. That would be one of the probably the biggest thing, um, and parts that have to be nitrated all over. Oftentimes, in those cases, you would nitride for half cycles and then flip them because where it's sitting is actually getting masked. Uh, you're sitting on the hearth plate or on your fixture plate or something like that. So those are the kinds of applications that you have to give more thought to. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. All right. Very good. Well, it's a great. It's a great start. It's good. Uh, good introduction to ion nitriding. Uh, I appreciate your time, Gary, and uh, we'll put we'll make sure we put up your information on the screen so people can get a hold of <laughs> if they want to, which I recommend. I, you know, just from my perspective is you guys have been around a long time, basically, as long as I've been in the industry and uh, your reputation is a, is a it's a good reputation. You got a good reputation for doing uh, doing great work there. So I hope we people will get in touch uh, with you. And we try to yeah. take care of them and, and we stand behind our work and. and yeah. Do what you, people expect you to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do the right thing, which is yep. important. All right, Gary. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for your time. You take care. All righty. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Gary Sharp. Give Heat Treat Radio a five-star review or a like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or the website www.heatreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with Gary or learn more about Advanced Heat Treat Corp, head over to www.ahtcorp.com or call 319-232-5221. You can also reach out to me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We love hearing what topics would best help you better run in-house heat treat operations. If you have an idea or a technical topic that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio, let me know. Also, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, let me know at bethany at heattreattoday.com. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40 Class of 2023 for sponsoring this episode. Nominations officially open on May 22nd, 2023 for this year's class. Learn more or nominate at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. And I'm Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening. Thank you.